Welcome to Trine Days, The Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorris. With us is Don Jeffries, author, talk show host, and critic of politics, business, and culture. Don began researching the JFK assassination as a volunteer with Mark Lane's Citizens Committee of Inquiry in the 1970s. Don's hidden history and expose of modern crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups in American politics became a bestseller. His trying day book, Bullyocracy, How the Social Hierarchy Enables Bullies to Rule Schools, Workplaces, and Society at Large, documents the horrors of bullying at every level of our culture. It is, in my opinion, as urgent and important as Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, which exposed the horrors of slavery in the 1850s and contributed to the transformation of America. Chris and Don, it's great to be with you both. What, what started you on your journey to looking into this stuff, Don? Well, as, as Bruce noted, uh, I was a teenager and I uh, started getting phys- uh, politically aware at a very young age. You know, I was uh, 11 when Bobby Kennedy was assassinated and uh, I was already following the primaries. I remember yelling to my dad when I woke up to Bobby Kennedy win in California because we're on the East Coast and he said, yeah, he won, but you know, he shot. So I was crushed then. Uh, I was a Kennedy fanboy, and I still, you know, I still get criticized for that because it—they're pretty much the only people I just don't criticize. I, I just have a, you know, feeling for them, and I just, you know, I admit it, you know. And uh, so I was very much uh, in, interested in the family, and I read all the Kennedy books. And then it, it actually took me a while to to really get into the assassination. And once I did, I never looked back. And uh, Mark Lane had an office in D.C. And I had read Rush to Judgment, one of the first books I read. And uh, he had this group, Citizens Committee of Inquiry. So I contacted him and, you know, I headed up his Falls Church, Virginia chapter, you know, just had a few of us teenagers. And uh, I got to meet him, you know, on a very memorable day in D.C. And I described that in the book where uh, he talked about Freddie Prinze being so, who was at that time, one of the most popular young comedians in the country. And uh, as I said, you know, if I hadn't been there that day, I would have never associated uh, Freddie Prince's death about two months after that to having anything to do with the Kennedy assassination. I had no idea, but he, he was obsessed with it. So, uh, and later I found out from John Barber when I talked to him, our, our friend John Barber, that uh, he had actually interviewed Freddie Prince, I guess, shortly before his death. And uh, he was, he also knew about his interest in the JFK assassination. So, you know, from there, I mean, I, I did that for a year, however long it took for the House Select Committee on Assassinations to finally come around. You know, after that, well, I was disillusioned like everybody else with their conclusion. You know, they basically backed up the Warren Commission, except for the acoustic evidence at, at the last minute. And I kind of put it on the back burner, but I never stopped questioning politics. And uh, so, you know, it, it didn't matter in the, in the 80s. Uh, I was questioning things Reagan and, and Bush were doing in the 90s. I questioned the Clintons and uh, it's all the way up till now. I mean, I and hidden history is basically a compendium of, of everything from the JFK assassination up to the Obama years. I get attacked from both sides because I, uh, you know, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I don't I really don't like any of them. And uh, that book has been you know, pretty much even handed. I got blurbs from people everywhere from Cindy Sheehan, the international peace activist, and Cynthia McKinney, to Roger Stone, who wrote the foreword to the paperback, and Jerome Corsi on the right. So uh, you know, lots of people can see what they wanted because I, I criticize, I guess, the people they want to see criticized. And uh, you know, I want to see them all criticized. So that's, that's where I am. And I'm also interested in social, as, as the book you published, Bullyocracy, very much like my earlier book, Survival of the Richest. And those are my two books that don't sell <laughs> as well as I'd like. Uh, the conspiracy books are what sell. Hidden History has done great. And uh, Crimes and Cover-Ups is doing real well, too. But the other two, 
people are not as interested in it, uh, I guess, but it's uh, yeah, survival of the richest. I address economics and the disparity of wealth and bullyocracy. I obviously address, uh, you know, social problem. I think it's, uh, as, as Bruce talked about with comparing it to, you know, uh, Uncle Tom's cabin was, you know, heady stuff, but it, it, I think it is a huge problem in our society. Oh, absolutely. Now, this latest thing that happened in the, in, in the capital and whatnot, we seem to get played a lot, right, left, center, and there is a real strong, well, let's, let's just call it what it is, it's fascism uh, that has really roiled this country. Because when you look at, at like what John Loftus has to say, and you look at, there's a, there's a new book coming out on the Kennedy assassination that was uh, started by uh, Hank Alberelli and is gonna That's be finished. Awesome. And they're, they're basically uh, showing, you know, a, a lot of input there from uh, fascism. When you were with Mark Lane, did they, did they go there? Did they, did they go to the uh, fascist connections to some of the Kennedy assassination? Well, you know, my, the, the people I like, I mean, Mark Lane was like a personal mentor to me. And uh, he was what I would call one of the last prominent civil libertarians. And that's what I consider myself. And that's why I get in so much trouble with the left these days, because, you know, as a civil libertarian, you fight hardest for the speech you disagree with. And that's what Mark Lane did. I mean, he represented Liberty Lobby. He was an attorney later, and they were obviously far right wing, and he was a Jew. And, uh, you know, who was, and they were, you know, talking about uh, you know, the Holocaust and everything like that. But Mark Lane recognized that they needed representation and he, uh, he was their attorney. And uh, he's very much like the, uh, I admire this fact, I tried to get him on my show, but I, he's an old guy. I, can't, I think his name is Goldberg, but he's a Jewish lawyer for the ACLU. And I, I was a member of the ACLU as a young guy. I, I worship that group because I thought that's really cool that you're, you know, you're doing what Patrick Henry said, you know, I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend to my dying day your right to say it. And the ACLU stood up for genuine Nazis, not just people, you know, the, the left just calls everybody a Nazi they disagree with. Now, these were genuine Nazis that were wearing the uniform and, and wanted to march through the swastika in Skokie, Illinois in the 1970s in a heavily Jewish area. This guy Goldberg steps up and says, I'll, you know, I'll defend them. And of course, he caught hell. Now, if the ACLU attempted to do that today, the left would, I, I don't know, they'd probably call them Nazis, I guess, for doing it. But I like, you know, that's what I'm drawn to still is, and I recognize I'm in a real small minority everywhere. You know, I, I am what my friend John Barber used and coined the term, and I don't think he fits it anymore as a Trump agnostic. And we're the smallest minority group in the country. You know, there's, there's very few of us there. So when you say fascist, I think that, uh, we could probably define our ruling class as fascist for a very long time. You know, one of the books I loved uh, reading back in the 50s was uh, Wilhelm Reich's book, The Mass Psychology of Fascism. And, you know, Reich was another guy that uh, who was uh, probably killed by the government. The FDA destroyed all his records and everything. But I, so however you define it, whatever we have, I think that uh, we're being ruled by authoritarians. And, you know, these labels, I, that's why I, I never, you know, when people want to call somebody communist, the right, the right wants to call everybody socialist and communist, and the left wants to call everybody Nazis and racists. And I, I really stay away from that. I, what I'm most concerned about what happened at the Capitol is not uh, Donald Trump at all, but how that will be used as 9-11 was to crush dissent, any kind of dissent, and to crush our civil liberties. And I already see it happening where, you know, they're just going to crack down on this and they're associating everybody. There was there was a guy, uh, some musician, I'd never heard of him, but he he just tweeted out something about watching the speech on his television in his hotel room. His record company yanked his contract. 
I, I just, to me, that's fascism. I don't know what you would call that, but that's just ridiculous. You know, so I'm just trying to speak out for common sense. And we're, we're at a point in this country where I think uh, we're really at, at a breaking point where we could tip over into genuine fascism easily. You have two sides where there's a powder keg boiling, there's a tremendous division. So I, I try to quote, you know, JFK's great American University speech in 1963 when he, you know, what was so great about that is he, he was the first leader that I know of that humanized his, his opposition. Now, the, 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 commies, the commies, the Soviets had been thoroughly demonized at that point in time. And he, he, he said, you know, our, our enemies are human. They're human. They cherish their children's future. And I think we all need to remember that, that whoever we're demonizing, you know, they're, they're human too, whether it's the Chinese, Russians, or whatever. That's what I am. A civil libertarian, is, it's a hard thing to be these days because most people do not believe in free speech for those they disagree with anymore. Well, I believe in free speech. And I, the thing that I see is that we've been played by these secret societies into little, I, I'm this group over here, you're that group over there. I don't like you. It's, it's, it's about creating sides. They, you know, I mean, it's like abortion. Okay. Do the elites really care about abortion? No, they don't. It's basically a bullet that they shoot into the gut of America. And, you know, they, they use it to divide. And, you know, when, when you look at the, the Kennedy assassination, you find ducks that were put in a row before Kennedy was even elected. And this, this secret society has been attacking our body politic very strongly since they began, okay, basically as skull and bones in 1832. And they were, they were done before that. And one of their biggest problems is they don't like a republic. They don't like a government that's of and by and for the people. So they have continued through our history uh, to try and manipulate that. And a lot of it, what they do is they try and take, get the generations to fight each other because they don't want us talking to our parents, okay? They'd rather having us fight our parents. And it's been a very much of a, a psychological warfare. And a lot of it has, has been around uh, drugs and you know a lot of falseness to set it up so that they have control. And I just, you know, I, I see people being led down uh, paths that, that get them into these uh, separate groups that get them lobbying, uh, you know, bombs at each other. That's one reason why I've been producing books. Books are an amazing thing. Uh, you know, a book will just sit there just, just quietly, okay, until somebody picks it up. Books have, have, have changed people's lives over and over and over again. I think that dialogue, and then the other thing is we need to stand up for the truth. And the big problem is, is that, quote unquote, there's many different truths out there that, that people are pushing and getting a narrative uh, to get people behind. Yeah, that's right. And that's and it just whether it's the, the capital or anything else, I mean, before, before the, the so-called conspiracy world was a little bit more united before Trump. And, you know, as I, I've called Trump, I wrote an article a couple of years back called the, the uh, Trumpenstein Project. And I believe he was uh, created, no, not literally like Frank Frankenstein, but I believe he was created as, as a political figure to be uh, a divisive force. And I think that's the only thing that explains the kind of hatred and worship that we see in this one figure. 
And that's the problem is you're dealing, you know, people talk about Trump derangement syndrome. Well, I, I also coined the alternative to Trump enablement syndrome. And I think that's what you see in his cult. And that's what you saw in the Capitol where, uh, you know, so many people are so excited about that something was big was going to happen on the 6th. I don't know if they thought the deep state people were going to be perpetrated in orange jumpsuits. I don't know what they thought, but they are uh, very much like the people that uh, watch televangelists. They have a lot of faith and Trump represents a symbol to them. And uh, he did what I knew he would do. He gave one of his typical speeches and uh, then he left and then he threw them under the bus as soon as any trouble arrived. And uh, this this was predictable, entirely predictable, knowing his history. And some people were ticked off about that. But for the most part, the people that worship him still believe there was justification for it. And of course, on the other side, his speech, which, you know, I, I, you know, it's a typical stupid Trump speech. It doesn't, he didn't incite anybody. He threw them in kind of. He incited people. Yeah, he did. He he, he incited people and so did the people there before him. I mean, uh, you know, well, in inciting, you, you, you can't you can't deny that you can't deny but, that he but didn't he, incite people. He didn't tell people to go inside and do anything like that. He, I think, he told them march to the Capitol, well, which you know, they have the right to do to march to the Capitol. That, that doesn't mean they can go inside and break windows or create violence. But I, I think well, now, you know, let, let's look let's look at the the Trump presidency from the standpoint of of America. Uh, what what did he do in March of uh, 2017? Uh, they released all the uh, intel tools, okay, to, to everybody in the world. So you've got a lot more players out there. You know, you, you had the operation in 2016 over social media that was working to divide the population into these little groups. Then you had, uh, let me see, a couple months ago, and actually had been going on for six months, you had a, a very deep, deep hack into the United States government and into uh, things. And then, okay, now you look at this Capitol thing, you can look at pictures and you can see military people in Kevlar helmets going inside. How many of those people could have been foreign agents, okay, with direct objectives into the Capitol building, okay, which is supposed to be a secure part of our government? No, I, I don't see Trump as just a uh, innocent person. I see well, I don't him as acting he... as, as a front man for Putin's criminal enterprise. Well, we, we completely disagree on that. I think Trump was created, again, as a candidate. And I don't think Ch well, he Russia was China... out of, He was created out of Russia. There's well, I don't no, think there's, he was straight... there's very few U.S. <sighs> banks giving him money. The Deutsche Bank well, was giving him money that was backed well, no... up by the Russians. Well, and, nobody's you know, given him anything now, <laughs> but what? he's being, he, he, nobody's given anything now. I, I quote, I said the other day, he's becoming the first unperson that Orwell talked about. They're pretty much wiping his, wiping him out as a reality. I don't know what he, where he's going to go. I guess they go hide out, uh, you know, on an island with Epstein or something. But, you know, I, I think that again, Epstein's he, dead. You know? Well, well, yeah, he, he maybe I don't know. He certainly didn't kill himself, but uh, but there there are those that believe if if they did whisk him away, that's where he'd probably know, there's, go. There's lots of people that believe things. Okay, there's right. lots of people that believe things, but belief belief it doesn't mean that it's real. Right. Well, all we can do is really speculate about anything because we don't have the wherewithal to we don't have subpoena power or anything like. All we can do is we look at documents and analyze things. That's what I do. But, you know, we're obviously being lied to. And you mentioned about people being divided up and that you can see how this capital thing is doing the same thing. 
everything that happens is, as you said about truth, nobody, like what the term fake news, probably Trump's most famous legacy to us is just saying fake news, but everybody uses fake news now. And it's basically, you just, if you don't like something, you just say it's fake news, both sides do it. So we don't, there's no, there's nobody you can trust. There's not a single independent source in our horrible media anywhere that, yeah. that everybody would say, yeah, we'll let them investigate it. We'll, yeah. we'll listen to what they say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I got, I got a Facebook message uh, the other day. Somebody, you know, has been listening to this podcast. And he says, well, I, I enjoy your podcast. He says, I hope you aren't disinformation. <laughs> yeah, well, that's your and everything. And that's and that before fake news, that basically fake news is a new way of saying disinformation. Because that's what you would do all the time. You see it on the JFK forums, where you certainly see troll behavior. And I suspected about a lot of people. Mark Lane, my hear tons of people have told me he's disinformation. Oh, you were affiliated with Mark Lane? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was CIA. He was this or that. You know, they, they've said it about almost everybody in the JFK assassination movement. They probably say it about me. You know, sure, some of these people are trolls. I mean, Cass Sunstein, you know, talked about, you know, infiltrating the online forums with, I don't think that was already, I think, being done, but you can't prove it, you know? So you, I just prefer to take people face value. In CIA drugs, which was basically my first uh, big, big research and researched it for 20 years. I mean, we had people in there that had gone through the MK Ultra, okay, that were sent into the milieu to move it around and, and all kinds of other things, okay? So there's, there's lots of extemporaneous uh, people. And one thing that I would talk about the JFK is we have kooks, spooks, and egos. Take a person like uh, Judith Ferry Baker. She's very revelatory about the JFK assassination. She knew a lot of the people. And we get all kinds of uh, people saying, oh, well, you know, she just, uh, she's just making all this up. She's just making all this up. And then they say, well, okay, maybe she was a smart person, uh, but she was never in New Orleans. Okay, well, uh, maybe she was in New Orleans, but uh, she never knew Lee Oswald. Okay, well, maybe she knew Lee Oswald, but she was never her lover. I mean, they keep moving the goalpost out. You know, she's been out there publicly for, about 10 years, and instead of, of using her information to dig deeper into the JFK, we've had the poobahs of the JFK community say, oh, well, don't listen to yeah. her, don't listen to her, don't listen to her. So, I mean, yeah. you, you have a, a similar situation in, in other quote-unquote research communities. Oh, absolutely, and, and Judith Barry Baker, is, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, and again, I'm kind of an agnostic on her, too. I mean, I, I, cause I don't know enough about her to Jen. Nobody knows. I mean, the evidence. Yeah, they do. That, yeah, they do. I mean, well, I but, spent, I spent year, I, you know, I, I took two years before I published it uh, to look into it. Okay? Right. But I'm, I, I've sat and talked with people that knew right. her in new Orleans uh, exactly. at, at the time, you know, I but, mean, she is real. She but is, nobody she knows is real. That, but nobody knows enough to say that she, what I'm saying is that she's a disinfo agent. That's why I don't say these things. Because you don't, they, that's impossible to prove. And, they, they, you know, she apparently worked with Oswald at Riley Coffee Company. So that's a pretty good connection. Now, beyond that, I don't know. People, same thing with Roger Craig. I mean, I've interviewed uh, Steve Cameron and Roger Craig Jr. a couple times. And, uh, you know, it's Roger Craig was one of those witnesses that a lot of people and researchers uh, soured on. Because he did embellish his story a little bit as time went on. But he was a brave guy. 
clearly was telling the truth at least, but human beings are human beings. So whether it's Roger Craig or Judith Baker or anybody, so it's Gene Hill is another one. As you, as you go along, and especially if you get any kind of attention, you may, you know, it's, it's human nature to maybe add a few things and who knows whether it's not, I don't know, but I, I, I think there's obviously a, a tendency on the part of the researchers to go, they, first of all, they don't want answers. So Judith Mary Baker, most of them that I've seen uh, are not like you. Most of them reject her out of hand. They're very violently opposed to her. I see it all the time on the forums. And, uh, you know, I don't understand it, but that's the way they are about most aspects of the JFK assassination. They, they, I don't know what they think happened. They claim they think there was a conspiracy, but then they reject all the evidence for conspiracy. I've, you know, I've talked to someone, I said, well, exactly. Why do you think it's a conspiracy? Because you smeared all these witnesses and you're ridiculing things like the mysterious deaths of witnesses, the hole in the windshield and the umbrella man, all these things that I grew up, you know, studying and draw, drew me to the subject. They, you know, they just come up with nonsense. But, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the research community, which I'm not a favorite in that community at all. I mean, my book, Hidden History, has done really, really well, but it's not because of anything that community did. They've all but ignored it. And, uh, you know, so I, I thought that would be like the backbone of my sales. And uh, no, it has not at all. And I don't really know why, but it's just, uh, you know, that's why I don't go to these forums very often anymore, because you'll have, for instance, William Law, our friend, who is, I think, is uh, the most underrecognized uh, expert on the medical evidence in the assassination. There was a discussion on one of these forums about James Jenkins. This was recently. And I didn't see any mention of William Law's book with James Jenkins. I just injected a post in there and say, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised that, you know, the recent book by William Law and James Jenkins is, I mean, that's the most up-to-date information on this by the guy you're talking about. And nobody even replied to it. They just kept going on in there. And that's what I see all the time. And it's, you just shake your head. I mean, William and I have talked about that in private uh, many times about the frustrations we feel with that, you know, certain members of the community, especially that, you know, don't credit you for things and uh, maybe steal some of your work. And so that's, so this, the JFK assassination uh, for the research community, like the 9-11 research community and, and things like that, in microcosm, they reflect what you're talking about, about uh, control, about, you know, people being in divisions. And uh, so nothing gets done. You know, no, nothing ever gets done because they can't move forward. For instance, in, in the in the research, I've pointed out many times, the people that, uh, the lone nutters out there, the people that, the people that still claim Oswald did it, they never disagree with each other. They're, they're just in lockstep on the position, Warren Commission got it right, Oswald did it. You all are a bunch of kooks. But the, the people that believe in conspiracy, they're arguing constantly. No, no, this did it. No, that did it. And no, that's crazy. You can't say that. And it's, you know, that's why I've tried to ban branched out into a lot of these other different subjects, because I could write a lot more about the JFK assassination. But um, ultimately, it just I don't know who to go to to talk to about it, because so many of these researchers are once you get to know them. And unfortunately, I've gotten to know too many of them. <laughs> I, you know, just I'll leave it at that. But there's a lot of difficult personalities that are drawn to the subject. Well, like I say, I call it kooks, spooks, and egos. Yeah. Uh, so would you like to, you know, one thing that uh, I'm throwing around is to, um, instead of going to like a conference uh, this coming uh, November 22nd, is going and demanding from the Justice Department the truth. Uh, 